Welcome to D.T. Kane's Epic Fantasy Book Club. I'm D.T. Kane, author of the epic fantasy series The Agersfar Saga and The Spoken Books Uprising. Each week, I read from one of my novels, discuss my writing process, answer your questions, and have general discussions about fantasy fiction. It's like a book club, except I do all the work for you. Find show notes, info about all my novels, and much more at dtkane.com. Here's the show. Chapter 15 Dell's throat burned like he'd taken a swig from the jug of gin his uncle sometimes passed around when banquets stretched on past sunset. Bastion, to me, he shouted. Perhaps he hadn't thought this smoke spell all the way through, as he couldn't see six inches past his own nose. But he'd had to do something. Dell had never seen a reader draw power from a spoken book so quickly, launching that much water into the air. He might have been able to do that with a spell that took several minutes to read. A cry that had to be Bastion, followed by an earth-shaking crash, came from somewhere off to Dell's left. He hurried in the direction he thought the sound had come from. At least, he tried to hurry. His blasted leg had never been the same since Marla Colnar had broken it, stiff and hesitant to bend. So with one hand on his hat to keep it from flying off, the other on the spoken book laid out on his lectern, he limped along, pain shooting up his leg with every other step. Abruptly, he was out of the smokescreen, causing him to stumble a step or two before regaining his balance. Blinking back tears from smoke-stung eyes, he spotted Farston maybe fifty yards away. He'd drawn his rapier and was apparently dueling a man Dell hadn't seen before. Where had he? Dell was saved by what he thought was the familiar vibration of a giant man coming toward him. He turned, expecting rocks to emerge from the smoke. Instead, a man nearly as tall and just as broad with a wild hair appeared. He grasped a hammer with a head large as a keg and shaft that seemed made from a tree trunk. His eyes burned with anticipation when they landed on Dell, and he charged forward, hammer raised high. Shattered inkwells, Dell cried. It was more of a yelp, though he'd never admit that aloud. He fumbled for his rapier, but quickly abandoned the effort. What was he going to do, block that massive bludgeon with his slender length of steel? Instead, he dove and half-rolled, half-fell, to one side, right before the man reached him. Dell sprang back to his feet, as his uncle had taught him, but his bad leg buckled and he fell back to one knee. His assailant recovered far better, turning on a heel, hammer held high, ready to smash Dell's skull. All Dell could do was close his eyes and hope the blow killed him before the pain set in. Thunderous steps rushed toward him. Dell inhaled for the last time and... A boot hit him between the shoulder blades, sending him sprawling and stealing the air from his lungs. Gasping, Dell rolled over, eyes flying open. 
Rocks stood where Dell had knelt a moment before, that murder stick of his fully extended. The hammer-wielding intruder took a startled step back, his eyes betraying he knew exactly what Rocks was. The harbor wasted no time with pleasantries or civility, rushing straight at the wild-haired man, releasing a guttural enigmin battle cry as he did so. A long stick with a rock tied to its end might have been a prime weapon for splattering the brains of a young reader across the early evening grass, but it was a poor defense against a harbor's razor. The man tried to block Rox's first attack by catching the downswing on his weapon's shaft, but Rox's razor sliced right through the wood, scoring a gash across the man's chest. He barely had time to cry out in pain before Rox's reverse stroke opened him waist to sternum. Blood came bubbling over the man's lips and he fell to his knees. The realization of death was in the man's eyes, and Dell looked away, feeling ill. But a second later, he found himself looking into the man's eyes once more as his severed head rolled across the ground and came to a rest inches from where Dell still lay gasping for breath. Gah! he burbled, scuttling backward. Rocks took a moment to lean over the man's still twitching body to wipe his razor clean before snapping it shut and turning to Dell. Little Dell he said, a voice like an earthquake. Are you hurt? It took Dell several deep gulps of air before he could answer. Not physically. He knew he'd be dreaming about that rolling head for days, though. Help me up. The harbor offered him a hand and hauled Dell to his feet. He suppressed a grimace at the pain in his lower leg, and Rox's eyes held something like concern as he placed a steadying hand on Dell's shoulder. Sometimes it seemed as if Rox sought to make up for Dell's mother's premature death by treating him like a child. Considering the big man had just saved his life, though, Dell wasn't going to complain about it now. Where's Bastion? Dell asked. I have not seen him. The harbor's tone took on a mellow timber, bringing a frown to Dell's face. Ever since the trials, Rox often seemed to forget that it was only Dell to whom he owed his oath. Perhaps we should aid the Duke Leomina, Rox asked. Dell looked in the direction Rox indicated. Duke Farston appeared to still be dueling their other attacker. Perhaps Farston wasn't as skilled with the rapier as he was with the spoken word. But as Dell got closer, he realized that wasn't the case. I think he's got it under control, Rox, Dell muttered. The man who'd attacked Duke Farston was far less of a physical specimen than the hammer-wielding madman Rox had just put down. He was maybe Dell's height and wielded a rusty short sword. He was bleeding from at least a dozen gashes up and down his body, several of them quite deep, though none close enough to major arteries to bring him down quickly. Duke Farston circled around the poor man like a dog, playing with a squirrel that had broken its leg. His rapier flashed out like a candle's flame, slicing a bright signature of crimson across the man's thigh. A gasp of pain escaped his lips, and he fell to a knee. Somehow, the man maintained a glare of disdain as Farston approached him. 
poor day you selected to accost travelers, Farston said, his voice flat and free from even the suggestion of exertion. He reached into an inner pocket of his frock coat. The man spat blood across the mirror-shined toes of Farston's boots. Your day is coming, hoarder. The warriors rise, and soon you'll... Whatever else the man had intended to say was lost in a gurgle as Farston swiped his hand across the man's belly. The knife he'd produced from within his coat looked as much a dragon's fang as it did a dagger, curved and sinister, and now dripping with blood. With a sickening plop, the fallen man's insides were suddenly arrayed on the grass before him. His ensuing scream was so terrible that even rocks put a hand to his forehead, averting his eyes. Dell's own discomfort was far less subtle as he emptied the contents of everything he'd eaten since they'd left erstwhile onto the ground and over one of his boots. Duke Farston might as well have been returning from an early evening stroll as he approached Dell, expression calm as a clear sky. The curved knife was gone, already hidden back within his jacket. His rapier was sheathed. Citulus are getting bolder, Farston said, as if announcing it might be foggy come morning. Dell stood there with hands on knees, panting, trying not to heave any further. Help! Dell looked up through watery eyes. At first, he couldn't identify where the plea had come from. Then he saw the small boat speeding away from the shore, a woman frantically waving her arms in the air at the stern. Beside her was a slumped figure wearing a tattered leather... Bastion! Dell cried out. He tried to rush forward, but slipped in the puddle of his own wretch and would have fallen if Rox hadn't been there to catch him. Duke Farston, help him! The Leomina Duke pursed his lips as he regarded the retreating vessel. One of the greatest shows of emotion Dell could recall his expression displaying. He took a step forward, then stopped. If Dell hadn't known better, he'd have said the man was hesitating. Can you speak? Farston snapped at his speaker, who Dell noticed for the first time was sitting on the ground just a short distance away. He was holding his nose with head bent back, blood oozing from both nostrils. Not well, master, the speaker replied, tone gurgly and distorted. Farston's frown deepened for an instant before returning to its characteristic state of utter calm. An unfortunate loss, then. Ag, start the fire for dinner. An unfortunate loss, Dell shouted. We can't just leave them. The duke had already begun to walk away, but stopped, shoulders tensing like the quills of an angered porcupine. Slowly, he turned back to Dell. Would you command me, Marquis Torchsire? Farston spoke in such a soothing tone that there was no reasonable explanation for the terror his words struck at the center of Dell's heart. He looked down to his boots, unconsciously wrapping his arms around himself. No, Duke, certainly not. Forgive me. The apology did not have the intended effect, as Farson's scrutiny of Dell only seemed to deepen, though his expression remained unchanged. 
You think I don't know what your father told you to do at the Congress? Dell's mouth dropped. How did you? I trust you understand the consequences of complying with his request? Dell shuddered. Farston's voice was like that of a man speaking calmly to a horse being sucked into the earth by quicksand. Your father is a thorn in my side. To such a degree, I actually find it surprising. But you? Farston's lips curled upward, though Dell couldn't bring himself to think of the expression as a smile. Rocks rumbled beside Dell, but he put a hand on the big man's chest to make sure he didn't do anything foolish. I accepted you as erstwhile's representative for one reason, Farston said, and that reason was just lost to us. What? Dell stammered. He glanced toward the boat that had stolen away Bastion. It had already receded to little more than a speck out on the waters of the shallows. If it wouldn't be an inconvenience to have to explain why I returned to Fortune without a representative from erstwhile, I might have you chained for treason already. So you will comply with my orders, yes? Dell could only nod, finding that his voice had fled. For several heart-stopping seconds, Farston's eyes remained on him. Then the Duke strode away. Dell released the breath he'd been holding, which sounded more like a sob as it escaped his lips. "'It is a lie for us not to help little Baz,' Rox said. "'How many times do I have to tell you, Rox?' Dell snapped. "'Don't call him that. You treat him like a favorite pet or something. Well, he's gone now. Unless you intend to go swim after him, you'd better get used to it.' He stomped away from Rox back toward their tent, without waiting for a reply. Every word he'd just said was true. Absolutely true. He had no doubt. So why did he feel so wretched? All right, hello, friends. Welcome back to D.T. Kane's Epic Fantasy Book Club. Today is October 23rd, 2022, as I record this, which is episode 14 of season 2 of the podcast, and episode 41 overall. I uh, hope you enjoyed reading chapter 15 there along with me. Uh, no analysis this week. We just did a long analysis episode last week, so I'll probably do another analysis episode in a few weeks here. Uh, personal update for this week. Well, I ran my half marathon yesterday that I've been gearing up for. Was not the uh, not the day I was hoping for, to be honest. But that's okay. The course was uh, really tough. I knew it was going to be kind of hilly, but it was way hillier than I thought it was <laughs> going to be. So definitely was not in uh, in the shape that was necessary to conquer that. But it was still a um, still a beautiful day. And had a good time. I got my, my t-shirt here. Uh, the EVL half. Obviously a, a Halloween themed here. Uh, certainly was uh, evil. That's a good good way to put it. EVL stands for Ellicottville. But uh, evil, <laughs> evil works just as well. Um, anything else I want to say about that? 
I don't know. I, sometimes, uh, uh, I think sometimes failing can be as useful as succeeding because you can learn from that. I certainly took some lessons away from there. Gonna uh, handle my hydration and uh, particularly my uh, electrolyte intake during races differently and moving forward. I think that was one of my problems. Though, frankly, I just need to do more training on hills, too, before I run another course like that. Or maybe I'll just sign up for a half marathon that is on a flatter course next time. So we'll see. I think my official time was something like 2.18 or 2.19, so kind of 10 minutes plus from where I was uh, hoping to end up. Though, frankly, I'm kind of uh, satisfied with myself for for just finishing it, because that was certainly the hardest uh, race course I've ever been on. There was basically no flat portions I was either going uphill or downhill almost the whole the whole 13.1 miles. So um, enough about that, but uh, anyone who sent me any <laughs> kind words of encouragement, I appreciate that, and I'll be selecting a, a new race to train for here, you know, sometime in the next couple months, for those of you interested. I'm, I'll uh, update that at some point. Uh, on the writing front, I am underway with part five of the Spoken Books Uprising. Uh, cranked out over 11,000 words on it this week, so certainly uh, rolling along there. Uh, if you're a newsletter subscriber, you saw me uh, talking a little bit about uh, the, uh, <laughs> the anxiety I still feel every time I sit down at the keyboard, even though this is the sixth novel I've been working at. But, uh, you know, I think uh, part of it is... Uh, you know, losing sight of just the small pieces that you have to work on. You know, you can't sit down at the keyboard every day and think, oh, I'm going to write a 100,000-word novel. You know, <laughs> that seems like completely impossible because it is in one sitting. It's got to focus down and, or sit down and focus on the, the small thing you got to work on. So, you know, sometimes, you know, I obviously write this newsletter to be informative to all of you, but sometimes I pick topics just because I need to remind myself of them as well. So... Just, uh, Dan, just uh, sit down and uh, focus on those uh, thousand words you need to write today, not on the uh, the whole larger picture there. You can't climb the mountain in a day. You can't write the novel in a day. Um, so there you go with that. And like I said uh, in the newsletter, I'm going to be traveling <coughs> uh, the latter half of next week for my job. So uh, there isn't going to be a newsletter next week. But never fear, uh, the newsletter will be returning November 4th, I'm probably going to take my camera with me on my work trip. I'm going to Chicago. Um, hoping to get up early uh, one day and do maybe a little street photography during sunrise in Chicago. So maybe I'll have a few photos of that to share in the newsletter in a couple weeks. So keep an eye out for that. Um, let's see, am I missing anything else here? Uh, just a quick shout out to my patrons as always. Thank you to orators Jan, Jason, and Patty, uh, and Declaimer Diane for supporting my uh, my show here and my writing. Very much appreciated. Uh, and if you would like to join me over on Patreon and uh, get some great uh, patron uh, rewards here, you can head on over to patreon.com slash dtkane for where as little as $3.99 a month. You can basically subscribe to get all current copies of my books and all new ones that come out, um, plus lots of other exciting perks for helping support my my ongoing uh, fiction uh, writing empire here. 
Um, all right, so that just brings us to our fantasy quote of the week. This week we uh, have a uh, one from Mr. Philip Pullman, uh, the author of the Dark Materials or his Dark Materials series. Um, this one's from The Amber Spyglass, which um, I believe is the third book of the series. I have stolen ideas from every book I have ever read. Uh, Mr. Pullman uh, obviously channeling uh, T.S. Eliot here, who said, Good writers borrow, great ones steal. Uh, now, of course, we need to interpret steal kind of loosely here, of course. Uh, I certainly get inspiration from nearly everything I read. I actually have a little uh, swipe file on my phone uh, that I keep for story ideas and another one for just descriptions that I find really good. And sometimes I thumb through there if I'm uh, looking for a particular description to see if I've read anything recently that I can uh, model my own writing off of. Um, but really, you know, we should all be thieves. Um, not just not just writers, but, uh, but all of us when we're reading. Uh, books are probably the closest to magic humankind will ever come. Think about it. They're just ink splashed on paper and yet can change your life. Need a new perspective? Read a memoir or biography by someone with a different background. Need a job? Grab a textbook and get studying. Need solace when life is hard? New and glorious lands are right there on the shelf. The world would be a better place if everyone stole a little more from books. At the root of all evil is ignorance and fear. And do you know what cures ignorance and fear? New ideas. And where do new ideas come from? Books. So get out there and thieve away. And, uh, of course, because crazy things happen on the internet, of course, this is not legal advice. Please do not read or listen to this and then go out and break the law. You know, <laughs> interpret this essay uh, in the spirit that it is in, in, intended. Um, so there you go. And my weekly reminder here, if you have a favorite fantasy quote, you would like to hear me feature feature on a future episode of the podcast and also in the weekly newsletter, uh, email me, dtkane at dtkane.com, and I may just feature your favorite quote in a future installment of the show. Um, and that's it for this week. We will be back. Oh, uh, we'll be reading Chapter 16 of Declaimer's Discovery next week, so that's your homework assignment. Chapter 16 of Declaimer's discovery we will uh you know we'll we'll see what happened to baz we saw him uh, being stolen away on a, a boat along with liana here in chapter 15 so uh you know i know you're all out there waiting with bated breath to see what happened um but you'll have to tune in next week for that so until then this has been dt kane's epic fantasy book club thanks for listening to dt kane's epic fantasy book club if you liked today's episode, please consider rating and reviewing wherever you listen to podcasts. If you're watching on YouTube, give this video a thumbs up if you liked it and hit that subscribe button and the bell so you get notified whenever new episodes become available. If you'd like to listen to back episodes or review the show notes, visit dtkane.com slash podcast. DT Kane's novels are available for purchase at most major online retailers, or you can purchase directly from his website at www.dtkane.com slash books. You can receive a free short story and sign up for DT Kane's mailing list at dtkane.com slash 
email dash sign up. If you'd like to connect, you can find DT Kane on Facebook at DT Kane Author or Twitter at DT Kane Author or send DT Kane an email at DT Kane at DT See you next week.